This is a special presentation of the Brigino Baseball Clubhouse podcast. We are live at the Studio 7 Fine Art Gallery in Bernardsville, New Jersey for the Watercolor Painting Exhibition, Baseball in Black and White, Extra Innings, The Art of James Fiorentino. Uh, most of you probably know already, but just very briefly, uh, because it's so impressive, James is the youngest artist inducted into the, into the prestigious New York Society of Illustrators, and at the age of 15, he became the youngest artist to, to display his work in the Baseball Hall of Fame, the age of 15. Since then, James's work has been showcased in museums, galleries, and private collections across the globe, and his story has been told on national television and in the pages of magazines and newspapers. Uh, unfortunately, you're not seeing this, it's on a podcast, but tonight we're in an absolutely beautiful 2,500 square foot gallery housed in a historic building in downtown Bernardsville, and there's a special room dedicated to a collection of James's award-winning landscapes and wildlife paintings. Uh, for those of you listening on, and we'll mention this again, but on Friday, December 10th, we'll be back here. So if you can, if you'd like to, please feel free to attend on Friday, December 10th, Studio 7 Fine Art Gallery uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. <coughs> and uh, James, thank you very much. Uh, James is here. Uh, and the reason that we, we're, we decided to do this here is uh, the, the Baseball in Black and White Extra Innings show, the original one actually took place in, in the former Brigino Baseball Clubhouse, which no longer exists, but thankfully uh, you and your art do exist. Uh, and I looked it up, it was back in uh, the fall of 2017. So four years later, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. And the first show we ever did together was September 2011. Yeah, that I can't believe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you look ago. younger somehow. I don't know yeah, what that's oh, about. Man. Uh, but yeah, it's no, it's a, it's really to to that was the, maybe we met briefly before. I'm not sure, but to to become friends with somebody, you know, for that long, it's it's really been yeah the be, one of the best parts of this. That was when you had first contacted me, actually, when you were even prior to starting the clubhouse. So you were interested in you know having some of the great sports artists. And some of their work in the gallery, and one of them was Andy Drinko, who I knew and was a friend and who I admired. And you said, I'd love to put, you know, some of your artwork in, in, in the clubhouse. And I said, absolutely. You know, in, in Manhattan, and then obviously we did the show. And it's funny because every time I think to the first show, you know, we we had tons of people in that first show. We had, you know, Linda Ruth, Babe Ruth's granddaughter. But I the thing that strikes me the most was the cake boss and the cake. <laughs> You know, we had we had the cake boss do a cake of of me painting all these legendary players on the field, and ended up being like a 500 pound cake that that got rolled in there. I, I you know it's, until you said that I didn't remember, but now it's it's a vivid memory, and obviously the cake we couldn't ruin the cake. Right. And it it made it by about a millimeter to get through the front door. Uh, yeah, that was quite a cake. And, and I had like frozen figures of me <laughs> and Babe Ruth and Jackie Robinson in my freezer because it was amazing how it was done. And uh, yeah, that was a that was a great show. And obviously, anytime you can have artwork hanging in in the city and and have all these great people coming through, 
you know, that was just, just a wonderful exhibition. And obviously eventually it led to um, the first black and white show, uh, which was also really successful. And, and all these, you know, um, incredible writers and just, you know, people really into baseball coming in to see the show. Yeah, uh, thank you. And it's really, uh, tonight I'd like to maybe take it, to, at least to start, into a little bit of a different direction because of, uh, I think it's the kind of thing that people are interested in and they never get to discuss this or hear, hear this from, from you or an artist. Uh, so maybe we'll get into baseball a little bit later. I'm not sure. We'll see. But uh, I, I want to focus a little bit more about you, the artist. So... Just uh, how old were you when you first started to paint? Um, I mean, like, uh, professional painting, like, 14, but actually painting and drawing and doing, like, you know, images where, like, I had to do them constantly was at least seven, eight years old. But I was drawing at four or five years old. I mean, there's no doubt that this was something like any artist they are blessed with it it's in their dna it's from family it's from whatever you want to say i feel like as an artist you know i see things as i want to paint them if i love something i'm inspired by something i want to paint it so obviously like when you're a little kid you're painting things around you love what do you love you love comic book characters you love uh cartoons you love sports you love maybe even like wildlife which i did so Going back to a very young age, that's all I wanted to do. My parents would tell me that when we went on a trip, we went to the beach, we went to the shore, I would be bringing coloring books, I would be bringing my sketch pad, and I'd be drawing. So it's um, something that you feel like you got to get out every day. So I'd paint with my grandmother at a very young age. I would do a lot of oil paintings. Um, and it was obvious to my parents and to my teachers that I was better than everyone and and really good like you know hadn't seen anybody drawing that well at that age so then I started taking art lessons at eight and I was you know learning all the different mediums with adults I mean I was I think about it because like, my son my youngest son's eight now and I get dropped off and I'm painting with adults like learning and I was better than most of them so when I think about it, it is kind of funny um, and you know growing up sketching pastels charcoal oils, everything, but I gravitated to watercolor because my first teacher and my second teacher were just, they were like great watercolor painters. And for whatever the reason, maybe it wasn't as messy, the smells, all that technique stuff, for whatever the reason, I just loved it. And so that is what I would paint at home. And I think learning with them uh, and then, so I would learn from them. And I think it's like learning anything, whether it's sports or whatever you do. It, it comes into play like years later where like all of a sudden, you know, sudden things come out. I think painting self-taught by myself at home became my way of doing it. I think I probably do a lot of things that are wrong and people with traditional watercolor painters or anyone probably say this is like, how is he doing it? Why is he doing it? Like, who knows? I probably use the wrong things all the time. But it became my self-taught expression of really want to paint things very photorealistic, very tight. I will say that even from when I was a kid, I feel like anything I painted, I really had that like, uh, um, I wanted uh, like the soulfulness of whatever it was. 
So that was always in me. I really feel like, and you get commissions sometimes, you may not want to do here and there, but I, if I have a passion for it and I really want to do it, I think it comes out the best, you know. So when you're now, you're let's say four or so when you say you started this, you just picked this up. Nobody, your parents didn't push you into this. No, I mean, obviously I'd have to, I really should be asking my mom, but I mean like I, like my grandmother painted, she was more almost like uh, like Grandma Moses, kind of like that style painting, which I really love having her stuff in my studio now. And uh, I just think it's probably, and even like my, my buddy Maz is here, who's an artist, like you just do it. Like somehow your parents get something in front of you and then you just start drawing and painting and, but you're doing it so much better and you just want to do it. I mean, even like coloring books or something, I would color 500 coloring books. I mean, I just wanted to do it all the time. I think the story was my mom saw me draw like a figure at like three or four, something crazy where like I put the head, the, everything, and she was like, I can't believe you're doing that. Brought it to the pediatrician and said, is this normal? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he's got very good like fine motor skills and he's obviously advanced in doing it. So my kindergarten teacher had seen, I think my mom recently, and was even saying like they were keeping all my stuff, which they never did. So anything I was drawing, anything I was doing, they were keeping it all because they were like, this is like so advanced for a kid. So it's in you, it's born in you, you want to do it. The question becomes, how much do you put into it? How much do you hustle? How much do you get better? And, uh, and then what your story becomes, because there are a million talented artists out there, but I've been wanting to do it every day of my life, so. So you, you, at some point you knew this is what you just wanted to do for your, in life? No question, I mean, the funny thing for me was the two things I would want to be was an artist, but it, it, but beyond an artist, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. There's just no question. Like, if you had asked me at any point to choose, you know, maybe now I would change my mind. But <laughs> maybe I mean, not. Maybe not, right? I mean, I dream all the time of still being in like the Yankee locker room and playing ball, and being Don Mattingly or being Derek Jeter. I mean, like, so honestly, for me, it was like, and the weird thing was, I wasn't good enough, but I almost had a little bit of that like where like, you know, it's starting to creep in where this is, could this really be possible? You know, you hit 500 my senior in high school, I'm all state, I'm doing a lot of good things. They realize like how unbelievable these guys are, but like still to be like a good athlete and a good player. So it's probably unique for an artist to also be like an athlete. Really, I was just good in everything with, with football, basketball, baseball growing up. Um, and then, you know, I realized that, uh, you know, at that early age of 14, 15, 16, 17, when I'm starting to make really good money and people are buying my work, like, wow, this could be, and I didn't know anything else because that's all I did. I never really had a job. I just painted. And so, um, you know, 14 years old with DiMaggio and people uh, wanted to buy the painting right away. I was like, wow, this is like, people could really buy stuff. I used to go to little art shows, which a lot of people don't realize when I was little, like art in the park stuff. And I would paint you know, baseball players and sell them for five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. And I remember people coming over and buying my stuff because they're like, oh, you're gonna be like, this is crazy even at that age. And I was young, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, so. Now, do you think, just in general, do you, uh, so you, you mentioned that you were born with something unique. Just your own opinion. And I'm sure major league stars, 
the, the, the great major leaguers, you know, kind of the guys who you paint, basically, the, that level of major leaguer, they too were born with something different than, I mean, they're all amazing ball players, but they're different. Right. They're at a different level than a typical major leaguer. They're probably born with certain things too, and then obviously they have to work at it. Do you think somebody, from an, as an artist, to be great as an artist, do you think somebody has to be born with it? Putting, of course they have to work hard. But if you're not born with that, right. and you work hard, can you reach that level? No. I mean, I think like even like kids I coach or my, my, my boys or other people, like you can get someone to be a better ball player. You, I can teach you for a year and have you paint some beautiful paintings. And I doubt it. I, but that, yeah, I know it's funny, but I could to a certain level, but you probably would stop. You wouldn't have the passion for you. You wouldn't know how to go past a level. Even for me, for painting for 25 years in watercolor, I'll do stuff and I'll be like, how the hell am I going to do this? I've, you know, like, and I'm tackling it, I'm, I'm struggling with it, and then I, I realize how to do it, I'm maybe not as much confidence as I should, and then I figure it out. You've got to be a master at it for, for many, many years. But there's no doubt, like, if you, if you attribute this to baseball, why is Mike Trout so much better? You know what I mean? Like, he was born that way. Yeah, he, he practices, may do extra things, but, like, you have to have that whether it's faster bat speed, seeing the ball better, all those things. That is just like, that's right. You have, major leaguers are the best of the best, all-stars, Hall of Famers. Like, how do you separate those guys? There are just guys that are just better. They're just born with it, and it just happens. And Or it could be a little bit different in the luck that where you are at the time and how you paint, what you're painting. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've, I mean, there, I tell people all the time, there are a million people better than me. I'm very good, but... I started very young, right place at the right time, and I have an incredible story. So I hustled with it. And yes, no, my, my work in watercolor is definitely like nationally recognized and, and, and throughout things around the world. But it's, it's um, the fact that I built this up and it's my experiences. And it's like anybody could paint a beautiful painting of Ted Williams, but did they paint them when they, were, when, you, when they were 17 years old and go meet Ted and hang out and have stories? Did they? So... I think after all these years of doing it, even though I'm still young, people are now respecting that and seeing that and saying, wow, like that's pretty incredible. So, you know, that's the difference between some of the sports stuff and some of the art stuff where all of that carries weight now and why people want to buy your stuff, pay a lot of money for your stuff. Um, but it all comes from the passion and really wanting to do it. And I've admired sports art and sports artists since I was a kid. I mean, I, you know, I love Rockwell and Wyeth and modern painters and Francesco Clemente and Picasso and every guy you can imagine. But I was a kid looking up to sports artists when it was like very early um, because I just, I just loved it. I loved collecting. I loved baseball and sports. So if the Mets were winning in 86 or this guy's doing this, I wanted to draw it. So that's just what connected with me was the sports side of it and the art side of it. Uh, you, you mentioned some of those other artists. and so Who are your, your personal favorite artists? Um, you mean like in sports or? Sports or otherwise. Well, I mean like otherwise, I, I mean I love Rockwell. I love Andrew Wyeth, N.C. Wyeth. I mean, even like I was saying the abstract guys from Francesco Clemente to Dunham to William de Kooning. I mean, I, I mean, I love all, I love Renaissance painters, Da Vinci. I mean, I love all art. 
Sports art's different because, like, even when I was starting, even, like, Neiman's completely different than me. I, I, I love Neiman stuff, but, like, Andy Jarenko's and, um, you know, if I think back to guys like Murray Tinkleman, who I knew, to um, the Christopher Pelusos and Dick Perez, Jerry Dvorak, one of the original artists who was a mentor to me, one of the original artists for the 1953 top set, you know, Painted Mandel Maze, um, Bart Forbes... I mean, there's these all amazing, you know, just, and guys I knew, and I mean, I was like friends with and spoke to, so I was very lucky to have like, um, mentors like that, like having lunch with Leroy Neiman and talking art and he knew my work. I mean, stuff like that. How old were you at that point? Um, I was either in college or out of college. I was on the board for the National Art Museum of Sport, which was this amazing group of artists and people into that world where, you know, it was this museum that, well, you actually started in Madison Square Garden. And right. then went to Indiana, like the IUPUI campus. And so I had art show there and they asked me to be on the board. And it was just amazing because I was with all these incredible artists. And um, so I got to meet Neiman a few times over the years. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, and, I, and I've done that now. So like the last 20 years or longer, I've mentored artists. I've talked to artists, you know, because a lot of people get excited and want to be in the field and how'd you do it what can you do you know I'm lucky because I grew up in central New Jersey so I'm growing up while the Yankees are winning the Rangers are winning like there's great sports teams there's people who have money there's people coming out of New York there's people who wanted to like collect art but also love sports so it was a great time and great area to grow up which was which which, which was huge for me so now just for people who may not know uh, people know there's different types of painting you, you're a watercolor artist. Uh, there's acrylic, there's oil, whatever. If you could just describe watercolor, and is it true that, I've, I've heard this said, that watercolor is more difficult to do well than any other art form, yeah. a painting form. Yeah. Is that true? And if it is, why? If it's not, tell me I'm wrong. Well, uh, but what, what is it about watercolor? Yeah, I mean, people say it's true. I mean, like, I painted in oils, and I loved it. And I did a lot of, lot of oil paintings, a lot of oil paintings in college, oil paintings when I was young, a lot of plain air stuff. And I, listen, I guess if I, I mean, I think that if I painted oils and that's all I did, I'd be great at it. But I just didn't love it. So I just love watercolor for whatever the reason. Um, but... The reason they say it's the hardest because, and I'm doing things in watercolor that looks like oils or acrylic and I'm painting it that way and I'm using a lot of dry brush and um, is because you can't make mistakes. It's got to be fast. When you start painting watercolors, boom, 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 it's got to be real quick. I make a mistake somewhere, I can't go over it 10 times or one time. It, it dries immediately. You don't have that, you know, because it's translucent watercolor, even like between opaque and translucent, but like there are tricks. You could do certain things, but... There's no, um, there's no room for mistakes in that. And again, I think sometimes the best people, like it's like a hitter or something. Every hitter, if you think about it, has a different way of hitting. So if you see a kid playing baseball, they all don't hit or throw the same way. They start throwing from instinct. And so a painter is, I'm painting a certain way just by accident. Like I'm just, this is the way like I'm learning, but the way that I'm kind of doing it. So I think the cool thing is, and I've always known that 
I'm not going to compete with guys who've been painting oils for 50 years or 20 years. I, I just knew that my watercolors, every time people would see it, professionals, teachers would say, holy, you know, I, I, how the hell are you doing this? Some people would accuse me of not even doing watercolor. Rarely you'll see gouache in some of my art, which is another, another form, but it's all watercolor. You know, all my work's drawn out in pencil. Uh, most of the stuff is, is, is everything you see would be created by the watercolor. A lot of it's mixing on the paper. I tell people when, I, when, when I'm in big national watercolor shows or local societies I'm in, it's not the right way. It's the way I do it. I love loose watercolor. I love Homer. I love all these guys. I mean, like, I just, this is the way I do it. And, uh, but people gravitate towards it because when they see it, it is so different. If you, it, it stands out like a regular watercolor show. It's like, how's he doing this? Why is he doing this? It's just the way I see it. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, of all the watercolor in particular, that at least when I had the clubhouse, when people were like, I, I had one guy who got into an argument with me over the <laughs> black and white watercolors because he said that is not watercolor. <laughs> right. And so the, for those of you who haven't seen it, if you're in this area and you can make it on December 10th, please come down because uh, the gallery is featuring so many of James's, uh, the heart of the show is the black and white watercolors, which are stunning. You, you don't normally uh, see watercolor that's not color. So how did just that idea by itself, how did that, how did that come about to you? Boy, I don't even know. It's weird. I think probably just because I would be painting from a lot of like vintage images. Like I loved uh, old, like if, if, when I was 14, 15, I'd rather paint Gehrig or Wagner than Mattingly or something. I was always into the history of baseball. So painting old images and working from great images that were black and white was probably what I wanted to do. And I would, I, I mean, I've converted a lot of black and whites to color. Um, but I think by far me painting in, in, in black and white, it's just using black, really. Uh, there's something special to it. Uh, obviously, I do great paintings in color, but I just, there's something different about it. And I even like now painting some of the current guys in black and white. Um, I think that's kind of cool. I've done um, the smaller paintings, the five by like five by seven, some smaller pieces, which, which I love doing. Um, you know, it reminds me of like, my first cards for Upper Deck in 2001, the Fiorentino collection, where I did like 70 paintings for Upper Deck, those were all black and white. And I think I, they asked me to do them in black and white, which was interesting. And they're like some of the best paintings I've ever done. You know, 11 by 14 paintings and, uh, you know, they put my name on the card, but it was just so cool to see, uh, you know, my paintings that small and... And I mean, I, the first cards I did for Tops in 99 were color, but man, my black and white, it's just something different about them. Um, so it is special to, to uh, be able to do a show, you know, just on, you know, the black and white paintings like what I first did at the, at the clubhouse, you know, four or five years ago. So if you could, uh, I'm fascinated by uh, the process. A lot of people understand the process of a ball player. But I don't think a lot of people understand the process of an artist. Or, and this is maybe different. Maybe every artist is different, you know, with this. But let's, so let's just talk about you. So now for this show, you have, and you said you've even done current guys in, or, or modern guys in black and white. Uh, Pedro Martinez, Mike Trout. So pick whomever you want. It doesn't really matter. Any, any guy. 
you decide, all right, I'm going to paint X. Take us through the process of then what happens. Of like why I choose some of the guys? Yeah, why or... you choose them and then yeah. how it ends up, all the steps and then eventually it's, on, it's framed on the wall. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, the simple thing on some of it is I'll pick guys who obviously I think are popular that I could sell. Sometimes I'll pick guys that mean something to me that like for your show, I did like Travis Jackson. Most people don't know that is, but... Old Giants baseball player, Hall of Famer shortstop. I'm a sucker for shortstops. I played shortstop, you know, in college, you know, throughout high school. Probably why I did Robin Yount. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to. Sometimes I'll do. You know, obviously he's one of the great players of all time, but a more obscure Hall of Famer. You know, mixed in with some of the great guys. Um, and you know, if somebody's exciting me, like a Tatis, a Vlad, Otani, um, you know, I'll do guys like that. Uh, and it's just trying to pick through and find really cool images that I can manipulate, do some stuff with, change some things up. And, you know, that's why, I, that's why in all honesty, like I even like, which on December 10th, I'll have some here, but like my five by sevens, I don't, I don't normally paint small, but with how busy my schedule is and how my bigger pieces I'm doing and that there's only one stuff that gives me like a, a fun opportunity to do some smaller pieces, which are kind of cool. Um, but again, there's something really unique, I feel like, when you're painting a current player in black and white versus the older guys. It's just got a cool look to it. It's a little more unique. Um, and so, I, I mean, it's, it's, I'm biased. I'll paint guys that I like. I paint some New York guys. I mean, I paint David Wright, obviously. Um, you know, Mattingly's in the show. And, you know, quite frankly, it just comes down to, like, the amount of time I have and who I could do. Most, most of my work, as you know, is, like, commission-based work. So... It's what people want. When I have time, and this show it took me a few years to try to mix some of these smaller pieces in because now I'm doing the bigger pieces, I just picked guys I liked. I just said, ah, who, who, you th who would be cool? Like I love Pujols and Albert Pujols owns like I think three or four originals of mine in his home. And I mean, I'm like this, you know, I, I just, I, I like doing guys that I know. Most of these guys I've all, I've met or, you know, so it, it comes down to stuff like that and then uh, again, from a lot of these shows, I'll be commissioned to do pieces that people want. So, so now let's say, uh, okay, we'll take Albert Pujols. You decide you want to paint him again. So, do you look for a photograph of him to start, or is it coming out of your mind how you want to paint him? How, how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think this is where guys who like baseball or watch it or no sports it is an advantage i kind of feel like if you're painting sports up and it, and it by the way the sports art is booming more than ever before the last two years with tops and everything they did it's just gone crazy and in every other aspect so i i i feel in all honesty like anything in life if you're painting something you have a passion for it's just going to be better and look better or if you have knowledge about it Obviously, like people I'm painting, I love to meet if I can, not all the time, but so when it comes down to some of the stuff, I'm really looking for um, unique shots, things maybe I can do, whether it's, I mean, my portraits to me are the best. I think that's what separates me from everybody. But, you know, if I can find a great action shot or if I know Albert Pujols, for example, the way he hits, the style he hits, you know, I'm going to look for something that gives you that look could be more of a close-up of him in action or maybe it is a portrait in this case it was just like a portrait I thought was very cool to kind of paint um, 
so a lot of that goes into like what I'm doing, whether you crop something, change something up, change, change backgrounds. I also, on a lot of the black and whites in here, I left the background completely white. There are black and whites in there that I do the backgrounds. It looks just like a photo. In this case, I wanted to do sometimes, you know, some, some of the pieces where it's got that nice contrast where it just pops right off the, the paper. And, and so I did a lot of the backgrounds just plain white, which looks good. And, you know, some of these paintings versus like there's only one, you know, these are also collectible in the sense that I have a lot of the players autograph the originals. Uh, so like Ripken, Wright, Poolhouse, Young, Pedro, they all autograph the original paintings. There are also many paintings I do that are not autographed by players. Um, so that's a little different too, which, which, which I have been doing lately. But this show has a lot of the, the, the paintings autographed. Do, uh, do most people who, uh, most of your collectors, do they prefer the autographed or not autographed? It's a great question and something really happening now. So throughout my career, a majority of the paintings are autographed because collectors, you know, guys coming in are not necessarily art collectors. They're sports fans, but it's a mix. It's guys who really appreciate art, but also love sports and they love having the autograph. The last two years, the autograph on paintings, the autograph in general has also exploded. The value of art has exploded. Um, so it is a more popular thing. Uh, there's only one, which, you know, the most iconic trading cards is different because it's almost being sold as a fine art statement type of piece where you know, you're buying a, a, a recreation of these iconic trading cards, but they're not signed by the players. You're buying them because it's done by me and who I am and because the player in the trading card is so iconic. So. I love that because it, it, it really represents who I am, like why people will, will buy these for the art and for the card and all those type of things. So it's more, on the, you know, now that's more of a fine art piece, but it, you know, it, it shows that. I mean, obviously you're not getting Mickey Mantle signed and guys from the past. So I've sold plenty of, of players who are, who can't sign paintings anymore, like Clemente and, and, and guys like that all the time that are not autographed, so. Well, a lot of Mickey Mantle's autographs were forged, so maybe you can you can get a, another forged. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the, the the actual title of it is "There Is Only One: of The Most Iconic Trading Cards of All Time." Do you decide which card you're gonna paint, or or so that so that project Joe Drellick and I um, partnered to do, and Joe of East Coast Sports Marketing and and Joe reps players, does some of the biggest shows in the country came up with the idea. And you know, this was like sort of during the pandemic and we're, we're talking about stuff and all of a sudden like a lot of my work's going up in value and the trading card market was going up in value tremendously. I mean, like nuclear kind of thing, like crazy. So, you know, Joe had said to me, you know, um, have you done many recreations of cards? And I really haven't and in all these years I've painted, I've only, done a few where I, you know, I can almost remember like Mantle, Koufax, maybe a Trout, like not many. So this was like a new field to get into. And because I'm so well known in, in, in this, you know, uh, sports art world and the fact that I've painted for Tops and Upper Deck and Kellogg's and other companies, this was going to be perfect because now we're going to start painting the greatest trading cards. And I was doing them 22 by 30, which is what we're working on, which is pretty significant for me because it's a larger size. It's very hard to go from a tiny card, if you think about it, to this large painting. And uh, and I've worked large, I've worked 30 by 40, 40 by 50. But 
you know, single paintings of these trading cards that size is, is it's a challenge. Um, and, and even for me, for doing this for so long, I was like, oh, how am I going to paint the Honest Wagoner T206, the 52 Mantle to a current card like Trout or a Jordan Rookie? You know, the other thing is they're also so iconic. Everybody knows them. I better be accurate. Even though it's my interpretation of the card, it still has to be, you know, very recognizable. So that whole project has just taken off incredibly and, you know, uh, I'm really excited because that's something I'm going to work on over the next, you know, few years, so. Oh, congratulations. Thank that's you. fantastic. And so getting kind of a question that gets us back to the, uh, the process of an artist. So for the, for the, there was only one project. You see a baseball card, which everyone's body understands the size of a baseball card, and now you're painting it at 22 by 30. In other situations, you're taking a, you're looking at a photograph, let's say, of somebody, and now you're going to paint a five inch by seven inch painting. Uh, which one is more difficult? Uh, so that's that's a good question because the older cards I did for Tops 99 Upper Deck. Um, there were 11 by 14 paintings, original paintings that they would shrink down onto the cards. Um, the latest cards I did for Tops this year, um, the 2021 Tops Transcendent cards, was the first time ever I had to paint on the tiny baseball card size. Which is crazy because, first of all, I didn't even realize my watercolor would be able to go on the surface of what they were giving me. Uh, and the fact that, right, I'm painting something now that small, which is... You know, you're painting an eyeball, like, you know, you know, all that stuff. And, and, and it's much harder. There's not enough room for error because it's smaller. So you have to be more accurate. If you're a little bit larger, you could be off a little bit here and there. No one's going to really notice it. So it was, that was a challenge. And even though they're that small, they took me a lot longer than I thought. I did 50 Hall of Famers for that Transcended set. So only 50 originals of mine of that size card were available. Um... Some of them have surfaced on eBay, like, you know, like um, uh, people who open up the cases and we're selling them. And some, some of them are going for like a, over $1,000 each, which is pretty cool. Um, the, the bigger size cards are harder, I, I, I definitely feel. 22 by 30, because you're going from something small, and especially some of the older vintage cards, you're going for something very tiny that was even painted back then or however they were doing some of the stuff. So, you know, you lose the pixelation, it just gets bigger. So you have to really create all that detail in there and um, much more challenging, much harder. But I've been very proud. Like I, I, I feel very excited when I finish some of those pictures. Even for me, I'm like, oh man, I, you know, this Wagner and you know, this really came out much better than you know, I thought it was going to come out. And so I'm kind of happy and excited to show them. Um, and the cool thing with that is there's so many iconic cards. I'm a collector. I love all that stuff. And again, to see them, you know, that's what also I feel like took, took off with the cards is that people feel like all those vintage cards are like, they're, they're masterpieces. They're like essentially little pieces of artwork. And so for me to recreate them at a larger size is a lot of fun and obviously in watercolor, which makes it even more challenging, I feel like, than other mediums. We're getting close to the end of the time, but something you just said, I just want to, uh, maybe we'll end up with this question before we remind everybody again about how they can hopefully come to the next uh, exhibition that you're having here. Uh, you're an artist, you're, you're a painter. As a, you're an artist who's a painter. There are all types of artists 
creative artist. So, and I may have the story wrong, but there's two different stories. I believe it was Brad Pitt. Somebody asked him, like, what did you think about your performance in that movie or whatever? And he's like, I, 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 didn't, I, never, I didn't see it. And then he said, I've never seen any movie I've ever done. He goes, I won't watch any movie I'm in. Now, it may not have been Brad Pitt. I could be wrong, but it was, it was somebody of that level. Then on the other hand, as a Sinatra fanatic, uh, I read a story once that it was towards the end of his life and he was in very ill health and he's in his home and he asked his daughters, I don't know if it was Nancy or Tina, and said, you know, put on some music. I want to just hear some music. So they put on one of his, one of his own songs and he just laid there and he, in the bed and he, he said, damn, that's good. So when you walk into a place like this and now you see your work is framed on the wall, you, you have to look, you can't be Brad Pitt, you're, you're, in the, you're in the room, you can't not look at it. Yeah. When you look at it, what, what, do you, what does it feel like? Yeah, it's a, you know, so I, and I've heard all that kind of stuff before. I think um, um, I'm very humble from the standpoint of if people know me or if I'm coaching my kids or I'm out somewhere, I don't talk about who I am. I don't tell people. I just kind of, a lot of people tell me now I'm probably too close to it, you know, been doing it for so long, probably don't think much of everything I've done because you've been doing it for so long. And I see that changing now of like when I'm telling the stories and people are seeing my work like I, this is unbelievable and I can't believe your story. Um, I do feel that way a lot of times about older pieces I see too that I've done like 10, 15, 20 years ago and I hadn't seen it in a while and I'm like, wow, that was pretty unbelievable. Um, I do get excited about seeing, and these are newer paintings so I've seen them before, but you know, even seeing some of them in person like the Pujols, it, it does get exciting. I think the other room where I have like, and I hadn't seen like the Osprey and, and the uh, farm I had done and some of the Native American pieces, I'm like, man, that stuff is, you know, even for me, I'm like, how the hell did I do that? So that, that I do feel that way and I am really proud of that. So I am, I am very proud of my work, um, but I'm very humble about it. I do feel like from a business standpoint, like I do feel like, you know, it's my work's been really been taken in the past year and the last few months and six months to like a higher level. And I appreciate that. I mean, at some point in your in artist life, you want to get to that point. I think it's again, it's like 25 years of doing it, the experiences everywhere I've been, how I'm doing it. And, you know, it's just everything working at the right time. But I do get impressed with, with some of those larger paintings that I've done and, uh, so it is nice to see, and obviously in a beautiful gallery like this, I mean, this is where you want to have your work. You want to have your work in museums and galleries and for people to, to see it, you know, on the walls and, and something like this. So it's fun. I'm honored. I'm humbled. I'm, like I said, I feel lucky and blessed I'm able to do it and still be able to come and, and show my work at places like this. So. Yeah, well, if, if you were a ball player at your age, you would be an old man and over the hill. <laughs> As an artist, you're, you're a relatively young guy. True but you were like a, a 35 year overnight success sort of in a way, you know? Yeah, it's I, mean, like, well, I joke around. I'm like, well, then again, I could be Tom Brady, who's my age. Who's <laughs> like- Well, uh, he's speaking of freaks. Yeah, yeah. like I mean, like I, I always tell my kids, I'm like, listen, Tom Brady's my age. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, a, like he's a, I think I'm a few months older than him. But yeah, I think that's the thing, like for an artist at 44, I'm considered young. 
but doing it since I was 15, a lot of people know me and what I do. And I think the cool thing is this whole genre, this whole market, sports, sports art, this whole world has boomed. And I think a lot of younger guys who are really into it, you know, 20s, 30s, whatever, are all finding it for the first time, whether it's my tops cards, all these PSA cover, the SMR PSA cover magazines I'm doing because that whole, you know, the card market blew up. All the articles on me recently and MLB Network, all these things I've been doing. A lot of people, it's interesting, who, who, who find me for the first time are just as excited as the people who knew me 20, 25 years ago. So, Well, for me, just personally, you know, this has really been a pleasure. And, you know, the fact that we did this for the first time, or this is, this is the first time we're ever doing a, a podcast. You know, I have probably about 200 events in the clubhouse where we did podcasts with, with authors, with artists. It was always about mingling and just, you know, talking to the artists, mingling in the show. So it's really, I'm pretty sure you're the first artist I've ever sat down with and had a discussion with like this. So I really appreciate it. And the fact that, you know, we've been friends for, for now such a long time, it's really a, a pleasure. And, you know, it's so great to see the success that you've had. I mean, you had success even back then, but to see it go to the next level, it's really... You know, uh, if anyone deserves it, it's you. And uh, I just, for anybody who's in this area, which is, I don't know, what, I'm not even sure what county of Jersey we're in, but... Somerset County. So, okay, Somerset yeah. County. It's only about 45 minutes from New York City if you don't go during rush hour. Uh, <laughs> so if you're anywhere close to this, on Friday, December 10th, we're doing this again. Not necessarily a podcast, maybe so, but... Uh, We'll be here again, and by the way, they had, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this because Kathleen may get upset, but she had a great food here. So if you're looking for some, <laughs> if you're looking for some great food, little hot dogs and desserts, uh, Friday, December 10th at Studio 7 Fine Art Gallery in Bernardsville, New Jersey. You could look it up or there'll be links where, where you see these podcasts. Uh, we'd love to see you here. I know James would love to see you here and, you know, uh, and that's kind of where we are tonight. And it's really been a pleasure. And I, I, I thank you so much, James. And it's, I just always love seeing your art. It's better to see you with the art. Thanks. I, I appreciate it. I mean, like you were saying, it's, it's really fun because this is also like a great way for me to share uh, things I don't, you know, don't normally get to be interviewed about. And maybe the next one will be the one that uh, you know, people have talked to me about, but also not in the detail, but all the hundreds of stories with Hall of Famers and players that are unique and interesting that most people don't even realize. You name a player, I can say, yep, met him, did that, talked to him, hung out, a lot of cool stories. But from an artist standpoint, this was definitely amazing. And like you mentioned, the gallery here has some of the most incredible New Jersey artists that are constantly in here. So besides my work that's dedicated in one room and the, and the other show, that you know, obviously the black and white show that's going on, there's just amazing work throughout the gallery at all times. So you can come here on you know, certain days throughout the week. So it's sort of a gem of a place, like you said, not too far from Manhattan. And again, I'm, I'm honored that you interviewed me with everything we did at the clubhouse. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do it again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much, Thanks, Jack. I really appreciate it.